And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today we are joined by the great Pete Blackburn. Pete, what is up? Not too much. It's been a while since I've been uh, been on this here uh, shindig with you, but uh, happy to be back. Yeah, this shindig is right. I think last time you were on with me, God, was either during COVID or pre-COVID. You used to come on a fair amount. There were, oh, you, yeah. You, you used to be a frequent guest. Felt um, like a co-host at some time, at some points. You did. You basically became a co-host at points, um, and that was when I was still in college. So things. It's been a. It's been a minute, but it's been yeah, nice. Yeah, to, you're a grown. You're a grown ass man now. I'm an adult like you. Uh, yep. What a light. What a fun time. They. You know. <laughs> only we could be in college forever. I can hear the excitement um, in your voice. Yeah, so much excitement on that. Um, but it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a minute, um, and you were. You are doing a lot. You've got What Chaos, which just dropped a national show with you and DJ Bean uh, this week. It's mm-hmm. a, it's like you you know it's a it's a big week for you. The Marshan interview, and I know you've got a, you guys have a lot of DJ was telling me you guys have a lot coming down the line. Yeah, we have a we have a lot of guests. Like the the Marshan thing to, to come out of the gate with Marshan was very cool to be able to drop that on the first episode, the interview with him, but. The stuff that we've got coming in in the next like month or so is gonna be on par, possibly above that that that. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a big old process getting ready for the show and and stacking some content. But very happy that it's here. Very happy that it's launched and has gone fairly smoothly. So uh, I'm super super excited about it. And that's Monday through Thursday, right? You have a you have a show you have to do every day, pretty much. Monday through Thursday live. Um, Obviously, the interviews and and like the pre-produced stuff won't be live, but the uh, the actual show with me and DJ in studio will be live, and then we'll throw to some of those segments and interviews. Yeah, fun stuff, fun stuff. I know you guys traveled recently for mm-hmm. one. I'm not going to say who it is because I think I know who it was, but um, very exciting stuff indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. But you get to talk Bruins on this show. We had Mike Grinnell oh, yeah. on last week, and he was saying how like he missed – just being able to talk bees. So this is this will be your your area where you can vent on Bruins. I'm uh, ready throughout the year. Uh, not a lot to vent about right now. Bruins no. won on Thursday night. Uh, what was that four to two? Was the or uh, no three to two was the final? Yeah. Um, another one goal game over uh, Maple Leafs. There's something sweet about Toronto going down. I I don't know what it is, uh, but every time the Bruins play them and win, it's just. It's fun to watch Toronto suffer. Yeah, that, I know that, exactly. That'll what never it is. leave it's, me. I hate those guys. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what it is. That's why it's so sweet to see them see them lose. I just can't stand them. Uh, no, yeah, it was a it was also a great game. Like it, it's one thing to to win. Uh, you know, a, a shitty game. Sorry, can I say the word? You can yeah. swear on this. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, it's that's great. It's one thing same. to win a shitty game, um, and be like, okay, I'm glad we came out on the the winning side there, but like. When it's an incredible game, and it was, that was a, one of the best games of the season for the Bruins. Maybe not from a performance standpoint, but an entertainment standpoint. Uh, to see them come out on, on the winning side there, it was, uh, I was very happy with last, last night's result. Yeah, I, it, it was one of those things, I think, that you know, they continue to edge out these one-goal games, right? Like oh, that's yeah. sort of their thing, you know? Uh, Said it before goal. the season. They are going to be the three-to-two kings this year. Like <laughs> two-to-one, three-to-two kings. They're not going to smoke everybody like they did last year, but they are going to still be a good team, and they're going to be a good defensive team. Yeah, and I think that's their thing. I think you tweeted it. They're going to be annoying. 
they're to re- they're really annoying, and they're going to annoy people because the fall off is supposed to have come. You know, you you were everyone's waiting for the Bruins to year, fall man. off. It, last year and the year before, how many years did we sit here uh, in eighteen nineteen, nineteen twenty, twenty twenty one, and say the window's closed? It's over, you know. And granted, I guess the Bergeron window has closed, um, but uh, you know I, they're still competitive. Nine zero and one. First, first thing uh, from the Thursday night's game. Do you think Marchand's play was dirty? Uh, no, I think that it was like it, it could have been a penalty, um, but I don't think I don't think it was a dirty play. I don't think that it was like a suspension by any means. It, you know, it's anybody else does that, and I don't think it gets the attention that it that it did because it was Marchand, but like. You know, I saw the the stick kind of go through the legs and and bring up the the foot um, of Lilligren, but like you know, I didn't see that as like a, I'm going to take this this guy down uh, as as a way to injure him or whatever. It was just kind of a hard play in the corner, and if anything, like Lilligren like impeded in Marshan space. Marshan didn't change direction. To, to make that happen. So no. it's a hard play in the corner and an unfortunate result. I and mean, I know that it, you know, anytime you go in unfortunate result, people will say, yeah, that tends to happen a lot with Marshan, huh? But I do think in this case, it was just an unfortunate result. Yeah. I just uh, didn't see it being dirty. I saw a lot of people on Twitter, mainly Leafs people uh, saying that it was dirty and that there was intent and he tend to injure and all this stuff. And I said, I don't see it. I don't, you know, like I will fully admit McAvoy's play was as dumb a play as I've ever seen him oh, make yeah, 100%. the other night. That was as stupid as it gets. You know, I mean, you think about you back to that, right? Like they have this one minute long offensive zone sequence. McAvoy scored like three minutes before mm-hmm. they're getting back in the game. And to just cheap shot Ekman Larson like that is as stupid as it gets. I, I frankly, I thought it should have been more than four. I was surprised it was only four games because that is it's a dumb play. And so. The reason I, I said that I thought it was gonna be like three to four, and the reason that I capped it at four was number one, uh, it was announced that it was the phone hearing and not well, in yes, person. Yes, um, once that and, came out, that was clear. Yeah, and then also the Rasmus Anderson suspension from a week ago. I thought that that play was a, like a little bit worse, um, just in terms of you know he launched a little bit more than McAvoy did and and hit the head of of Patrick Line so like i uh he got four games and so i was like okay it should end up being the same as as that or around the same as that so that 3 to 4 was my prediction and it ended up in that in that area obviously yeah yeah congrats you were right Pete <laughs> you were right um got to take but, my victories where i can find them exactly exactly and i respect that we we're a pro victory lap podcast um uh, before we get to low ride, cause that's obviously the talk that that's what everybody wants to talk about. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, I am not as up on the rest of the league, uh, as you are, um, as we could only dream to be, uh, but Bertuzzi struggled and it's yeah. interesting cause you know, I remember saying at the end of last year, everybody was clamoring for him to be re-signed and he was a fit, right? He was a fit when he was here. There was no doubt, but there was always that injury history, uh, his style of play, can wear thin at times. And I remember saying, you know, you don't want this to be like a Bolesky signing, right? Where guy kind of has a hot year or a hot segment of the year playing with good players and suddenly you make him part of your core. Um, now, again, I was I wanted them to re-sign him. I did. I thought he was a fit and all those things. But there was always that part of me that like 70% of me wanted him, but there was that 30% that was talking pretty loud. 
And so far, that 30% seems to be right. Because, again, I know it's early. It's only a month in his time with the Leafs. But I think it's like two goals. Um, and, you know, he was demoted to the fourth line on Thursday night. And just really not finding his fit, which kind of continues to go back to, like, how bad of a move it was by his group to kind of bet on themselves going forward, hoping for a longer, bigger, long-term deal down the road. So it feels like the Bruins may have dodged a bullet there with him. Um, yes and no. Like, I, I think that a product of, of his struggles in the early going in Toronto might be because of the role that they're putting him in and, and sort of how much pressure is on him. And maybe he's putting a lot of pressure on himself again because there's this one-year deal and he's heading back towards free agency and another contract. But, uh, you know, and it's only been a month, right? Exactly. It's only been a new team, new, new teammates and stuff like that. But I think that a a part of the reason why he was so good here last year was because he was essentially like a role player. You know, he didn't have to do it all and not that he has to do it all in, in Toronto, but like there's, that's a big role there and a lot of pressure. And, uh, I think that he, from what I've seen from him in the early going, it really does seem like he's trying to do too much and he's trying to kind of you know, maybe overanalyze his game, force things too much. And when you look at a player like Tyler Bertuzzi, the simpler, the better there, because he is a kind of meat and potatoes, psychotic style hockey where, you know, he, the, the kind of like the less you think for him, the more success he's probably going to find in those dirty areas and just like driving um, and using that grit. So uh, I think that he's going to find it at some point in Toronto but it, it's it's probably going to be a, a little bit harder with the more the pressure kind of stacks and the more that he has to uh, like examine his own performance. I mean, think about the expectations that were put on him in the offseason of, right, like you're going to play with Matthews and Marner. He's going to be a 30-goal guy. He's going to, you know, work his way into a huge long-term deal uh, post this season. So, like, I agree with you, and I think Toronto's a hard market to play in to begin with, right? Like, those, that's a hard market. There's a lot of pressure there, Um, and you're right. I mean, he's just clearly not the right role and a fourth line role by the way demoting him to the fourth line is not going to help him in any way shape or form yeah but it, it might like it, it might in a way that like it, it tells him like hey just focus on like something just focus on um you know provi- providing some of that that snarl because like right now he's not bringing anything he's not really bringing anything that they wanted from him when they signed him because they signed him for offense he's not scoring uh they signed him to be a tough guy and, and add a little bit more snarl to their lineup he's not doing that either i mean like the the the, the situation with marsh and i don't want to read in too much into that because I think Leafs fans are doing it enough, but like him laughing at Marshan while Marshan's chirping the bench right after the Lilgren uh, incident is like, if you're not, if you're not contributing on the ice, at least be like the guy that they hired you to be on the bench or like in, in the room. And, and so uh, you, I, I think that Leafs fans would like to see, at least like to see something delivered from from what they were hoping to get this offseason. Yeah, I I still think though putting him with better players at some point has to produce results. I don't know. I still think there's that it tends little to. bit it tends in to him. work that way. <laughs> it you hope it does. You hope it does. Um Mason Lowry, first game on Thursday night, uh looked real good. 
And, you know, you even heard uh, Jim Montgomery say on Friday, uh, Ryan Mujanel, head coach down in Providence, said uh, he looked better than he has in his time in Providence. It was his best game of the season uh, against the Leafs. And, you know, again, there were some hiccups in his own zone to begin with. There was, you know, uh, a couple battles with Matthews that he lost. And But I just think the puck-moving ability... Um, his ability, like his stick in his own zone is so strong. I just think his reach and the way he's able to use it to his advantage, um, it's going to be real hard to send him down if he continues to play like this. Yeah, it's a one-game sample, and I haven't seen a ton of, of him um, over you know the past month or, or whatever. But, like, uh, you know, <laughs> I was m- mostly impressed by, like, his snap decision-making, uh, like, and, and sort of the confidence that comes with that. He didn't seem all that jittered, maybe in the first period with, like you said, some of the, some of the turnovers. But, like, his ability to activate, his ability to, to jump into the play, to go to the dirty areas, even in, the, like, the offensive zone, like, that's really impressive. And it didn't look like there was a lot of hesitation. It looked like he was playing with a lot of confidence. And he looked like an NHL player and, and not, not just like a fringe NHL player. He looked like a real impact difference maker on the blue line in his very first game. And especially as a defenseman, that is extremely impressive because you're not really protected back there, especially against a team like the Maple Leafs. You know, it, it, this was no cupcake opponent. This was no, hey, we're going to we're going to shelter you in your first game and make sure that you're in a position to succeed. This was him coming in and having to bridge the gap for the Bruins losing their best defenseman against one of the best teams in the league. And he did an incredible job holding his own. Yeah, I, I want to read the stats um, about low because they were just outstanding last night. But first. Quick word from our sponsor. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over-unders and more so visit fanduel.com boston and kick off the nfl season again fanduel.com boston fanduel the official partner of the nfl in mass 21 plus and present in mass hope is here first online real money wager only five dollar pre-game money line wager required First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. All right, so uh, low ride last night. These stats I thought were incredibly impressive. Again, uh, Bruins outchanced the Leafs twenty to fifteen with him on the ice at five on five. Zero high danger chances against. So this is what impresses me most. I know Mason Lowry is a good offensive defenseman. I know he's a good puck mover. We know uh, that he has no problem jumping up in the rush. But it's, I'm not saying it's not impressive because it is right doing against it, doing it in your first game. 
missing a lot of guys against the Leafs. Prime time, even though it's on ESPN Plus, which you can debate whether that or not that's prime time. Uh, did you hear Felger at all yesterday? Bitching about, uh, complaining no. about. Anytime the, I cannot uh, listen to Felger about hockey, I, ch- I choose to do that. <laughs> it's a, I was driving somewhere last night and I caught the uh, him talking about, you know, needing passwords. It's like, dude, just it, it's not that hard. Just isn't that hard to do. Shut up, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The old man yelling at clouds yeah. uh, once again. But anyways, uh, I think it's the defensive game. Like he settled in. He settled in throughout the game. That I mentioned it uh, you know, a couple minutes ago. Just that good stick in the D zone. Uh, his coverages were generally good. Um, and again, against one of the top offensive teams with a lot of offensive threats in the league, I think that's really impressive. And, you know, I don't think... The reason he got sent down to Providence at the beginning of the year was because he wasn't offensive enough. It was because he needed work in his own zone, whether it be going back and retrieving pucks or, uh, you know, just assignments. At Ohio State, there was not a lot of structure there, and you're going to then play with arguably the most structured team in hockey. So I think the fact that, through again, it's one game. We'll see more of it, you know, most likely on, on Saturday night. But the fact that that's there, it's pretty impressive. And yeah. I think that's to me that was my biggest takeaway from yeah the fact that it's there on on both ends like you like you mentioned and, and I I hear what you're saying about the defensive side of thing and that being super impressive but like for for me it's it was still like it was still the the willingness to to play his game on the other end of the ice and and, and mainly just because. Maybe it's just like a me thing, but like I'm, I just get really impressed when a guy comes in and, and on day one and game one, they have that confidence because like I, I think from like from my perspective in in my debut, I just like I just don't want to fuck things up. I just don't <laughs> exactly. want I don't want to make a mistake <laughs> and and have play go the other way and be like, well, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Like I, I feel like I'd be a lot. I'd be really tentative. I'd be maybe a little bit hesitant to to be aggressive. And he just wasn't. And he he never fucked things up. So like it was uh, it was really impressive to me that he had that sort of uh, testicular fortitude and boldness <laughs> on the uh, on the offensive side of the the ice in in game one. And I think they need that. They do balls to the wall is yeah. the word. Uh, you know, it's interesting because like. I think if they don't blow the whistle dead on that play when he had the puck in front of the net, he scores first. The puck was first. the entire time. No reason to blow that dead. He and the probably best part, scores there. S- Samsonov was turned the other way. Like his yeah. the other side of his pads were facing the puck. Um, the other side of his legs, I should say. But that, like, to me, I agree with you. Like, I'm not saying it's not impressive. I'm just saying, like, for him to stay at the NHL level, I think mm-hmm. that, def- you know, being responsible in your own zone is is going to be the biggest thing. Right. Um, but I agree. I mean, and, and so this is kind of my next point. So it's interesting. When you look at the Bruins, uh, you know, you've seen this. In the NHL, it's a copycat league. Uh, the big thing now is you need big defensemen. That is the new thing. I know it's... It, it doesn't bode well for the short Kings, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. Like, you look at sort of their heights on the blue line when everybody's healthy, right? Like, if Lowry sticks with this team, you know, Lowry's 6'5", Carlos 6'5", Lindholm, I believe, is 6'4", McVoy's 6'1", 6'2"-ish, Forbert, I think, is 6'4". That's five of 6D who are big. And McAvoy might not be the tallest guy, but he's... He can freaking that's a, hit. That's a thick boy. That's Charlie a thick McAvoy boy. Is a thick boy. He is. He's very <laughs> solid. He is solid, and and I think 
you know, the fact that five of your six D back there are that size and can cover that much ground and can do that, like, that's a, and, and again, it's nothing new. We know their defense is strong, but I think it adds another element that, you know, I'm curious if Lowry can stick Grizzlicks out till end of November at the very least. Obviously, there's a lot of trade, you know, not talk or rumors, but people are kind of like, oh, you know, is, is it time for Grizzlick to be traded? You know, if they go into the playoffs this year with, you know, Lowry McAvoy, Carlo Lindholm, and, you know, Forbert and whomever. I, Shattenkirk was horrible on Thursday night, and I think he's... I don't want to say it, but I'm glad you did. I mean, I, he, hasn't, he hasn't been very good for most no, of this season. He hasn't been. And I, I again, I... I appreciate that he's a veteran. You know, I, I would trust him in, in some scenarios, but just that sec on that second power play unit, like I think they need, you know, low ride to be as ready as po- as soon as possible to run that power play unit. Cause I just, it, he, Shattenkirk just doesn't do it for me. And some of the turnovers coming out of his own zone, I'm just not a fan of. Um, so I just, I, I wonder if they do need an extra defenseman back there. Um, but again, I think it bodes well for them. Five of six that are that big. I don't know. I think that helps them a lot when the playoffs. I come mean, around. You, you look at uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the size of their blue line last year. They had a they had a huge blue line. So like, yeah, I think that uh, Tampa. Uh, yeah, like yeah, and, and you know that's not to say that every big defenseman is is good, right? Oh we, yes, seen, I want to make that seen, very clear. Seen a lot of big defensemen and a lot of big decors that you're like. Okay, well, Can these guys congratulations stink? on having big guys. They all stink. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's, it's, there's, you got to find both. In, and, uh, you know, I think that the Bruins are in really good shape with what they have. Um, and, it, it, you know, uh, to, to be a sustainable playoff team, you need big guys on the back end. I think that's uh, been shown time and time again. Um, but they're not just big. They're big and dynamic and uh, and that that's a really encouraging thing. And that's part of that's part of the reason why I said they were going to be good this year, even though their forward group took such a hit. Like their back end is still really impressive. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that they have still have the best goaltending in the league by a, a pretty good margin. It has been unbelievable how how much nothing has been lost um, in, in between the pipes this year after the incredible year they had. And Swayman was outstanding. Swayman, I think, was they again. Saved the, they saved him the game once again. Was the reason they won a game. Mm-hmm. And I, what I and I've mentioned this on previous episodes. And I think it's really interesting. Last year, Olmark got all the hard games, and Swayman, you know, got most of the hard games. And Swayman got you know some cupcakes along the way. And of course, there was a couple games that like MSG that he was really good in last year. But you know, the way that the schedules worked out this year, Swayman has faced the better teams for the most part. And I think that's what's most impressive. And I think that's what they wanted to see was Kenny take that step forward into being, you know, is it m- more convincing with him against the good teams? Yeah, I mean, you got to put good teams in, in quotation marks because the Bruins haven't exactly well, yes, a juggernaut yes. of a schedule to start the season. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that with those two, the two goaltenders, there should be no intent to protect or, um, you know, sh- sort of like, assign good and bad games to either one of them because they are both very good and you're going to need both of them down the stretch and potentially in the playoffs. It still drives me crazy that they didn't run a rotation in the playoffs last year, um, even in that first round, because it worked for them all year long. Just keep going. 
Just this keep why, going with what works. This is why I don't... There's a lot of people I see on Twitter and saying, you know, oh, you know, they got to trade Olmark. You know, you, you got to add the number franchise number one center. And I, I want to hit a Bucci Gross uh, tweet in a second of a potential trade proposal that I found. Just bananas. Um, but I want to see them go into the playoffs again this year and try the tandem. Yeah. See what you have with this because you can still run it back you can still do it like the way they're winning games right now i mean you can still do that in the playoffs and i want to see them try to do Olmark swayman Olmark swayman throughout the playoffs and um again i i was kind of baffled they didn't try that last year um you know clearly they they fucked up you know we haven't talked about uh last year since i don't think now is the, the perfect time to talk about it um but I want to mention this because I thought we mentioned this a little before we came on. Um, John Bucigross, uh, tweet uh, was replying to Ryan Whitney on Twitter and gave up a uh, interesting trade proposal. He said, "Ryan, would you decide in Fogel for Omar Debrusk, Patra, Lysel, and a 2026 first rounder?" Uh, I'm saying no to that. If I'm really I mean, uh, I it just I I'm not I'm not for that. I. Uh... I'm a believer in that if you get like the best player in the trade, most of the time you win the trade and like you're getting one of the best players in the world in Leon Dreisaitl. But I, I don't think that that makes you a, I don't think that puts you in a better position to win right now. Uh, if you're the Bruins, just because like you're getting the best player, but you're, you're losing so much else. Like you're, you're losing Olmark and net. You're losing uh, Patra, who I think is the real fucking deal for the future. He, you know, he may not be as good as Leon Dreisaitl. Not many people are, but like, I still kind of want Patra here, and I want to see what he develops into because he is way ahead of schedule than anybody predicted for him, and he's been so impressive every step of the way. So, like, yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with with saying no to that deal, even if it you're turning down getting Leon Dreisaitl. And I just. You got to make your first round picks. I know that that's, you know, you do, you do have to deal them sometimes, but they've dealt enough of them. You need to make picks. You Um, need to make them and you need to hit on them. That's the big problem. That that is. That's the thing. They they stopped hitting on them and they were like, okay, well, we just won't make them. We'll trade all of them. (laughs) Trade them. Problem solved. Some of them have worked, right? Like you you got to, you dealt a first for Hampus Lindholm. And that like, when you make a first round pick, you hope, you hope, you pray for a Hampus Lindholm uh, if you're drafting a defenseman. And so like, I get that. But with the way, with where they are at as a franchise, I do think make your picks get them right but make your picks Mm -hmm. um and i think you know like a lot of people talk about you know and and patra has sort of quelled this a bit you know you need a franchise number one center well you might have it with matt patra all signs point to him being he's at least a top six center and oh my god to stumble into a top six center when your your two top six centers walked away this offseason like just talk about finding magic beans for that, oh, yeah. that front office. Like their deal with the devil's got to be crazy. It's got to be <laughs> insane. I I would love to see the the like the webcam footage of the party that Cam Neely and Don Sweeney threw in training <laughs> camp when they figured out that holy shit this kid rocks. And turns out we do have a a, a top six center that we got this off season. So just like absolute found money in Matt Patra this this season so far. He's been awesome. 
Awesome, and you know, again, the production's been there. I know he didn't have the greatest game on uh, on Thursday night, but there were still some really strong shifts. I thought he brought his best at the end of the game. But even more importantly, just doing the little things. I mentioned this mm-hmm. on the I mentioned on the show a few times. Like, you you've got to be able to do that, and that's what makes a top six center a top six center. The production mixed with doing the little things with you know, high compete and things right. like that. And he it, has all of those things. Right. It's, it's not like a trade off where you're like, Oh shit, this kid makes like real can make a really nice play a, a few times a game in the offensive zone. So worth keeping him in the lineup, regardless of, of kind of what he lacks in, in the other end or like what he lacks with consistency. No, like he brings it on every, pretty much every shift and he's bringing consistency and he's just doing, he's, playing a very smart game and very effective game and that's just kind of what you need that's what you need uh one last thing i want to hit on before we head out uh you know john sweeney's got a lot of crap for drafting rightfully so over the past bunch of years um again rightfully so i want to hit on with that um but right now i mean beachers contributing in a fourth line role i think he was seven for seven on draws Thursday night. Austin Matthews, by the way, 0 for 11 on uh, face-offs on Thursday night. Not great. Did have a nice goal, though. I'll give him that. Did have a very nice goal. Um, Lindholm could have been a little quicker to get his stick out there to try to I don't know. That, that. that one-timer was nasty. Yeah, I agree, but I don't know. A little more. De- by the way, Lindholm, zero points in 10 games so far. Not point. Not the points are everything for defensemen, but it's a little surprising it that is. he doesn't even have like a secondary assist or something. Uh, not ready to hit the panic button there yet, but... Uh, again, Beecher contributing, Patra contributing, uh, Lowry jumping in on Thursday night contributing. Uh, have we been too tough on the Bruins prospect pool? Um, probably not. Um, just I'm going to agree with you. I, yeah, I think pro- we were probably right not. on the whole time. I, I think that this is what should be expected. So... Like like what we're seeing now, oh, they get some young players coming up and, and making an impact. Like that should be expected. We should be seeing like every year, like one or two guys. Like oh, this guy looks pretty promising, and it's been a while, man. And I'm not ready to say as soon as we see some some seeds being planted. Like oh, maybe we were wrong the whole time. No, just more of this, please. Exactly, and that's like again, uh, we kind of all expected Lowry, or we think his, you know. His ceiling is top four left shot defenseman in the NHL, a good effective one. And and so you mentioned it's been, Beecher. Like Beecher was a first round pick. So that's the like, other thing. So like, yeah, he looks like a solid fourth liner. But like, do, is that what you is that what you want for your first round picks? Like, you know, if your first round pick is a good NHL player, then then whatever. Like that's kind of what you're looking for. But when they drafted Beecher, everybody's reaction was like. His ceiling is probably like the bottom six. He's probably like a, a defensive-minded fourth liner, third line center. Like, if that's the ceiling, why are you drafting those guys? You can find those guys a little bit later. Like, you, sh- I, I like taking shots in the first round um, uh, on higher ceiling guys. So, like, that's where some frustration has, has come in. But like again, I'm I'm happy if Matt Beach if if, uh, if Beecher is uh, a um, uh, like a solid NHL player. And Lysel was Lysel was a bit of a shot uh, when he was drafted, right? Best player available, high ceiling, yeah, good no. skill, all those things. Like, yeah. So, but I, again, I'm with you. I'm it's not, not like ready they to don't be like take the shots, but like exactly. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not ready to sit here and be like, oh, Sweeney does it again. We were wrong. You know, it's such great drafting. Like, you know, I will give them Patra. Like Patra, yeah, for sure. Not, was not expected one. at this age. Like, you know, like that's that did seem to come out of nowhere. 
Um, but again, like outside of the Patras, the low rise, the Beecher, I mean, again, you know, Beecher, we can use lightly and, and Lysel, which again, I think a lot to prove down in Providence. Um, there hasn't been a ton else. We we're also, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, we're also talking about like basically everybody that <laughs> is in the system, like who else behind those guys that like, I guess other than Lysel, like who else should, should we be excited about? That's the thing. I, I, I don't know. Cause again, this, this right. past draft, like, you know, I know that Hendrickson and uh, Pelosi are doing okay in the USHL, but that's the USHL. No disrespect to it. Like, but they're older guys in that league. You know, there should be so. a, like, like I was saying, there should be like a steady stream of guys that you can be excited about. Yes. Yes. And I think you're also hitting a point where you're, you're getting the ramifications of dealing those picks, which is again, why I think you got to make those picks in the future. If you, if you're able to do it dealing and missing, because like if they had drafted well, um, a handful of years ago, you could have had the, the transition period where you're like, okay, we're going to lose our top two centers, but we got another guy coming up. Like they've lucked into one, but like it, that wasn't the plan or it shouldn't have been the plan because nobody thought Matt Potter was ready heading into the season. So, which is also impressive that they are as competitive as they are like that. That is interesting that they are, one of the two teams left that is technically undefeated. Um, and, you know, they were as good as they were last year in the regular season. So, um, you know, but I agree, you know, I'm not ready to absolve the Bruins of their drafting woes and, uh, you know, issues uh, with the prospect pool. But anyways, Pete, what a pleasure to have you back on. So much fun as always. We always have a great time. Uh, anything else aside from what chaos that you want to plug? No, that's it. Um, you know, I, I do some stuff for Bally Sports still. Um, so you can check out that stuff. Uh, it's mainly Twitter and, and so like Bally Sports or my Twitter, Pete Blackburn. But pretty much 98% of my effort at this point in time is going into What Chaos. And we've got some awesome stuff coming up with guests and uh, in entertainment and stuff like that. So uh, follow What Chaos on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Go do it. That's Pete Blackburn. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruinsby listeners have a great rest of your week.